When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, back to the breakaway. He backed it, moving right in. Oh, the shot. Oh, the did it again. How did he do it? He shot. It's in. It's in Belfort's glove. I don't believe it. Federer can't believe it. How in the world did he make that save? Shoots it deflected right in. Peter Angelo save rebound. Stasty stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save. Even as Peter Stasty. He can't believe the save that Peter Angelo just made on him as Frankie Sparkly. Now that maneuver there to stop and rob Peter Stasty. He should get 5 to 10 for that. Oh. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with Winnipeg Jets goalie from the WHA years and current goalie coach Gordy Tomlinson. Gordy played his hockey in an era so different than today that I don't think many young goaltenders could comprehend what it was like playing the position with guys like Bobby Hall shooting on you with very little equipment. This episode is a little shorter than you're used to as Gordy had another commitment on the day of the recording. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Gordy. Gordy, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm just fine in yourself. Not too bad. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. That's good. <clears throat> Thanks for joining me because it's kind of fun to get a, another, uh, I'll call vintage goalie, you know, somebody who, who grew up in the two-piece chest, chest pad era, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if that's what you called it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it was, it was. But yeah, it's uh, it was a long time ago, but <clears throat> lots of fun. I, I think back to that first chest protector I had from uh, the association. It was two piece, and it was like I, I think it was just there so that mentally we felt like we had something on to protect us, but it it didn't do anything. It just made it harder yeah. to get our jersey on. There you go. Yeah, it wasn't an awful lot, and uh, but it worked out okay, I guess. We're, we're still here and still able to breathe. I guess that's an important part. Yeah, so I have to ask, um, you know, you're, you're from Manitoba, so no big surprise how you got into hockey. Um, but at the time you did, what motivated you to be a goalie? I couldn't skate. Um <laughs> 
that was that was I think the the way they did that all around is the kid that couldn't skate played goal. My dad was the coach. Uh, he was a good player, a good athlete. Uh, uh, I think I just had turned nine in the summertime, so uh, he just you know put the team together at a little community club and nine kids and off we went and uh, and I was the worst skater, so you go play goal. Now, at that time, we're go- and I, I I don't mean this in a joking manner, but were goalies wearing masks at that time at the youth level? You know, what was the protection there? Well, taking a look at my face, you'd probably guess no. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Self-deprecation is a lot of fun. Anyhow, um, no, we were not wearing masks. In fact, I don't think we got into masks until I was around 12. Uh, and then it was just a baseball mask. We did Hockey was outside. There were no indoor arenas to play in other than the two big arenas in town. And uh, they, you know, kids didn't play there. They, they, you know, the older, big, big kids and the juniors and pros or whatever. But uh, little kids, we just played outside. So you had your toque on or your hat, and uh, and you put this baseball baseball mask on, and off you went. You know, in at the time, you know, most players were still using straight blades because uh, Sam Makita hadn't introduced the curve yet so it's, it's not like kids were lifting the puck but it still happened and uh we, we all know it it probably didn't feel good that's for sure especially especially outside the colder the puck the more it hurts well yeah and uh, it's pretty cold up here i'm, I'm you know so it's uh, it does hurt and uh, it did hurt don't know why we'd stay in the put in the position after the pain but i guess you get used to that and you're or you're so frozen that you don't feel the pain until later but um, yeah, this, the straight blade and the lack of raising the puck and yeah, the kids didn't shoot the puck the same way they do today. I mean, it's just absolutely not. So, you know, we got away with not very great equipment. Uh, it was the community club's equipment. It wasn't my own. We didn't have money for it. In fact, I didn't, I didn't wear goal skates until I was 15. So um, that, that's a long way into one's career if you're planning on a career to, to not be, you know, fully equipped properly. And we didn't have good you know we just didn't have good equipment but uh, you just did what you did and, and you enjoyed it It was fun now I, I remember when i was in high school I, I had one of my teammates ask me they said you know if if you were playing back before goalies wore masks what would you have done and, and i looked down square in the face and said i would have been a forward <laughs> <laughs> you know it's yeah. like come on yeah. uh, you know i may be a goalie but i'm not dumb uh <laughs> <laughs> well, well that, that, that's always the question, right? You know, how smart is the goalie? But uh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, to your point, you know, straight blade, it, it was a different game in that it, it was, uh, you know, we, we think so much of the way goalies are moving laterally and around the crease and everything today. But really, you know, when I watch film from the 70s and even earlier, it, it was very much a game of moving the puck to try and get the goalie out of position. So, I mean, you you mentioned, you know, you couldn't skate. That's why you wound up in goal. But by the time you made it to the WHA, you probably had to be one heck of a skater. Well, yeah, we had to learn to skate. And, of course, goalies stood up much more than they do now uh, all the time. We did go down, of course, and we could butterfly. We could do all those things. But your ready position until you actually saw the puck coming towards you was still standing. Then you fell down to stop a low shot or stayed on your feet to stop a high shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, by the time well, the time I got it about 13, 14, I thought, well, you know, I like this hockey game. I'm going to try really hard. And then by the time I was 15 – 
I was skating every day, whether or not. And of course, it's, and that's three months a year. That's that's not like all summer. It, you, you know, you get outdoor ice and you start skating the first day, and you skate every day until you until the you know the middle of December to the middle of uh, March, and then it's gone again. So you, you had to learn pretty quickly, and uh, I did because I wanted to do that. So if you want to do something, I guess you just put your mind to it, and off you go. No, as you point out on your website, you know, you're from the era and I kind of started at the tail end of it. Um, goalie coaches weren't a thing. Even the pros didn't even have goalie coaches. So it was really self-taught. And, you know, it's not like kids today that can go watch YouTube videos and throw on Sense Arena and all. They have all these resources, you know, back then to learn the game, it was watching Hockey Night in Canada and watching the other goalies at the rink, you know, how, how did you develop your game um, with such a lack of resources? You, you said that you said exactly what I did and I, what every guy did. You watch the older guys who played in front of you. Uh, so if I was playing Bantam hockey or peewee, I, you just watch the older guys play and you'd go to the community club on the weekend and there'd be games all day, Saturday and Sunday. And, and if there wasn't, you'd be skating. But but uh, you'd just go and watch the games and, and you'd see what the guy did and you'd try and remember. Uh, you did watch hockey. We, of course, you watch Hockey Night in Canada. And um, and uh, you, you, you didn't see any replays because there were none until later on, um, much later on. There wasn't even, you know, there weren't signs on the boards and there weren't helmets on the heads. So, um, you know, it was, it was one, one look one C and you had to kind of figure that out and make a decision. And, uh, and so you, then you go and try it out in practice and, and, and you go to the club on the weekend and put your stuff on and have a million kids on the ice shooting puck from every which direction, big kids, little kids. Yeah, it was, it was really different. It was fun. It was, it was easy. Um, and if you wanted to get somewhere in goal, yeah, or in a position, you just played, you just went out and did it. And that's what I did. So, and I got lucky. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned you got lucky in that you did make your way into pro hockey. You played for the, the Jets back in the uh, WHA days before they were uh, part of the NHL. You know, how, how did you make it onto the Jets back then? <laughs> well, I'm from Winnipeg, so that was that was interesting. And I, the year before the Jets arrived on the scene, I, I'd had a tryout with the um, – uh, the Los Angeles Kings and their farm system uh, down in Ontario. We had some tryouts and I didn't make the team, came back to Winnipeg. And at the time in the 70, 60s and 70s and way back, senior hockey was kind of like semi-pro. I, I would equate it to the East Coast League now or something like that. It was pretty good hockey and, and uh, all ex-NHL or uh, AHL or IHL guys. And, uh, and, and so we, and, and so we, uh, I played on that team for a year called the St. Boniface Mohawks. And so we played for a year, did some good things there. Um, and then the jets popped up out of nowhere, literally. And, and here we have Bobby Hull signing at, uh, at our famous intersection portage in Maine. And, and we've got a team and then I get a phone call to come and try out, um, for the team. So there was three of us trying out, uh, they had signed NHL guys, Ernie Wakeley and Joe Daly, uh, two star guys. I mean, were, you know, they were top paid $12,000 a year, or I'm sorry, $25,000 a year was the, the top paid guys. Um, and, uh, and they were stars in, in, uh, in their, on their teams. Uh, they, they came to Winnipeg to make $50,000 a year. 
in a, in a fledgling league that they hoped would be around for more than one year. Uh, but that's how I got my start. I got a tryout. I made the team. Uh, and uh, so that's the, sort of the history on it. Uh, hung around for four years uh, with the organization, got an AFCO cup and uh, here I am today. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, you, you know, you were on the team. It was very, very much like my college career where I was on the team, but I, I was that depth goalie. Um, yep. But it's still a very important part of that team, especially when it comes to practice. Um, you are that guy that's uh, staying out late, taking those shots. You're, you're that guy that's, um, you know, doing a lot more than people the average uh, person realizes. <laughs> I, uh, I, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I, I joked that I was Bobby Hull's personal target, but, uh, and, and Bobby still remembers me today by my first name and, and second name. And, and he sees me and he's 84 years old, just had a birthday. And I walk in the room, he says, Gordy, how you doing? And he knows exactly who I am. It's wonderful. And, you know, we really got along, he and I, but yeah, you're right. I, I was the depth guy. Well, we were, there was three of us that were extra players. So uh, we did not sign contracts with the Jets. We signed minor league contracts or personal services contracts. And uh, so we were on the team. The only thing we didn't get was uh, credit for uh, the pension plan. But beyond that, we were on the team. We, were, we uh, traveled. We did all the things, right? And in the first year um, uh, and in every other, uh, subsequently every year, there was always injuries to goalies or sickness. So you get into the lineup here and there. And, and I was on the bench. I played a couple times in the first season. Um, and, uh, and, you know, really enjoyed that, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they had two great goalies here and, uh, and then they kept bringing it. If, if they traded one of them away while well, Ernie got traded and Joe stuck around for all seven years. So there wasn't much room for the, the third guy to even get better because, you know, how do you get better when you're not playing games and you're just practicing, right? So it was a tough time for that part of it, but so enjoyable. To, yeah. to be on the team. Now, you mentioned Bobby Hall, and I, I was fortunate enough when I was a kid, I got to uh, spend some time by myself with him and Sam Akita. Um, and I asked Bobby about going to Winnipeg, you know, leaving Chicago. And he said, you know, why did you do it? And he said, you know, I didn't want to. And so I just threw a number out there that I thought they, no athlete would ever get paid. I said, I'll do it for a million bucks. And he goes, and they came back to me and said, okay, we'll give you a million bucks. And he said, <laughs> and I'm a man of my word. I said, I would do it. So I went and he said, it, it didn't hit him until that first game when he was pulling his hockey socks on and he didn't see the red, white, and black. He said, that's when it hit him that he was no longer a black hawk. But he said, you know, it was a, a great time. He had fun. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, he, he was pretty honest about it. Oh, he was absolutely honest. He, yeah, he, this, yeah, exactly the story. He, he said, I'll, I'll take a million bucks. And he walked out of the room. You know, a month later, they had a million bucks and handed it to him. So there you go. Uh, and, you know, uh, you know the, the, the guy from Winnipeg, Benny Hatskin, uh, who was a shucker and a jiver and a, and a, <laughs> a bit of a guy uh, who, who arranged all of this, uh, you know, he went back to the league and <clears throat> got everybody in the league to pony up 100 grand each or a bunch of them did. And because I knew that would that would be the selling point, the double the salary and the selling point was mm -hmm. going to uh, make the deal. Right. And of course, as he says, uh, as, as we all know, that everybody <clears throat> in hockey that immediately the NHL team started to double the salaries, triple the salaries of their stars. So they wouldn't take. So here they are. Those guys were, you know, hoarding all that money. 
yeah. uh, not giving it to the players, but but Bobby moving, and then subsequently Cheevers and Perrant and Joe Daly and Ernie and these kind of guys all moving. All of a sudden, wow, you know, here we go. So um, it, it changed. It changed hockey as to to what we have today. And Bobby Hall's shot—it's uh, legendary. <laughs> is be you know, it, it it would probably be still one of the hardest shots today. If you if you were still playing, and, and I, I often wonder what would his shot clock in at with mo- with a modern stick when he was just using a wood stick, you know, a straight blade up until you know a certain point. Um, how how fun was that facing that every day in practice? Going oh geez, because I remember there were guys I practiced with where when they were coming down, I'm like, it's only practice. I'm getting out of the way of this one. I'm not. I, I don't need another bruise. <laughs> Well, yeah. Now, he first of all, he was very kind to the goalies on his own team. Uh, I can I can assure you, um, he took a lot of the speed off. In fact, he would have more fun. He'd he'd throw dippers and divers and and risers, but not not a million miles an hour. You know, they clocked his shot at 110 uh, in, in with a wood stick playing in the WHA with the you know, the with the hook on it. Uh, I'm going to guess it would have been much faster with all of the the wow in the sticks today. So, you know, he was playing with a, with a, with a piece of tree uh, versus uh, what they, what they use today. So the modern technology, but uh, he was very kind to us. He never, he never shot the puck as hard as he could. Um, and uh, thank, you know, we, we and he never, and he never really hit us. Uh, he would, he was a really good shooter. He was a really, he didn't hit the goalies. You had to save it. If you wanted to you sort of move on it, you, you didn't, uh, you didn't put it at you very much. And I, I remember him telling me he, in a game, he tried uh, putting that first shot right by the goalie's ear. Just so that, oh, yeah. you know, he would think about it. The next time he wound up, the goalie would think about it. And he goes, and then the next one would be down on the ice because they're thinking it's coming at their head again. Yep. Oh, yeah. That is exactly what his game was. And everybody at the goalies all knew it. <laughs> and he knew it. And, it's, and it still worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. When you're good, you're good. Uh, and, and, you know, Cheevers would battle him like a crazy guy and Bernie Perrant. I mean, these guys went out there they knew who he was and what he could do. And man, it was just, it was, it was a treat to be that close. You know, I spent a lot of time actually on the bench part of the bench and I wasn't just a bench guy, but I was on the bench watching. I was close up and I got to see this stuff going on. And while, you know, the challenge between the goalie and the cat and mouse and whatever else you want to call it, it was, it was a treat to watch that and see how these real pro guys you know, went at each other and uh, and uh, and uh, did their thing and and you know they were, the goalies were probably more successful than he was. Although he scored a, a lot of goals, he had a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. Well, and <laughs> you know, shooters versus goalies in those days, I liken it very much to a pitcher and a batter in baseball, and that there were a lot of the mind games of you know what are you going to put at me next? You know, in baseball, yep. is it going to be a fast? ball down the middle is it going to be a curveball or you know what's it could be but in those days it really was like like you said a cat and mouse game where you know you're expecting that high shot because that's what they do well i'm gonna change it up and go low this time or you know it it, it was a, a different different game in that it, it was a little more strategic with the shooting 
you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, well, and those guys played against each other for so many years, <clears throat> but they knew each other. They, they, they mm-hmm. tweaked this way, tweaked that way, and uh, and so it was. But it, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. A, it was a strategy, as you say. Uh, uh, at the moment, it was a strategy changing all the time, trying to figure out what was going to happen, what was going on, and again, it was. A, it was a treat to watch and be a part of. Now you mentioned, you know. When you were with the Jets, you guys won the Avco Cup, which was, you know, for the young listeners, the uh, the Stanley Cup of the WHA, um, and winning it in Winnipeg. You know, what did that mean for the city, and how fun was that? Well, you know, first of all, you know, the, Winnipeg was shunned by the NHL as well as Quebec and Edmonton and everybody else that had a smaller population, and so um, you know, winning something. Uh, for a prairie city that gets, you know, we, we have the same reputation as Buffalo has, I guess, in the States. Not a great one for whatever reason. Uh, flat, boring, uh, that's what we were and, 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 and whatnot. So, you know, we, we took it on the chin, but we're tough prairie guys, and so we handled it. But, but uh, so for us to be the best at anything uh, as a city and as a province out here, uh, was amazing. And, you know, the league had been around for four years then. So it was established, you know, we were beating New York, we were beating, uh, you know, Boston, we were beating, uh, or the Hartford, we were beating all the Canadian cities, we were beating all, uh, LA. We were be- uh, so, you know, by by the time the fourth year came along, we, you know, the, the league had been established and, 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 and we had some pretty great hockey players, Anders and Ulf, uh, uh, Lars Eric Schuberg and many others. And so, um, uh, it, it was um, a full house uh, all the time, and uh, we were pr- people were proud of our, our championship uh, your caliber hockey team that we had here. Now, as we all know, the, the WHA folds, teams come into the NHL. Um, you know, that's around the time when your pro career ended, you know, and then you become a coach. Um, I, I know why a lot of goalies become coaches. It's because we, we still love the game. We want to stick around. But, you know, goalie coaching was still kind of a new thing at that time. You know, how and why did you want to go that route? Well, there was nobody else. <laughs> you know, you know, you you grow up and you see, look around. He said, "Well, there's nobody else." And and I was still very connected to my because I grew up in Winnipeg and I was still living here and playing here. You know, I'm part of the fabric, right? part of the city, a part of the fabric from, from day one. I'm still still going to my old community club, and so it was kind of just a natural transition. You know, you get married, you go have kids, and and you quit playing hockey for whatever reasons. And then you, um, and then you say, well, gee whiz, I've got a skill that, you know, kids and I love playing hockey. I love coaching and I love kids. My dad was a big kid himself. He, he coached forever um, uh, as an adult. Um, he was a bigger kid than anybody, but at the end of the day, uh, so it was in my blood to do that. I had almost no choice just as a person. It's the way it was. So I, I and I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed teaching uh, and, uh, you know, I got pretty good at it, I guess, because, uh, I, uh, you know, people would ask me to come out and and uh, and do some more. So it's, uh, it was almost imp- hard to say no sometimes. That was the probably the biggest part of the deal was saying no to some people just because there was enough time anymore. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I mean, I still play in the beer leagues and. Um, it's funny how many times I have to say no for guys just looking for a goalie. Um, yep. and, and even I stopped coaching when my daughter was born cause I was 
coaching high school six nights a week here in Minnesota. And <laughs> I was like, well, with the baby at home, I, I can't get away with that one. Um, but I still, you know, she's 15 and I still get people calling me going, can you come out and work with our goalies? And it's like, <laughs> Good. I could, but I'm busy with my kids right now, <laughs> you know? Um, yep. Yep. you know, I, I to- totally get that. Um, so I want to make sure we get through these, uh, questions. Cause I, I ask every guest I've had over a hundred of them now, the same 10 questions. Um, I used to call them rapid fire questions, but I learned real quickly that they take up more time because they, they elicit more stories. Um, so I've asked everybody <laughs> the same ones. you know, when, when we talk of, uh, Manitoba goalies, you know, Eddie Balfour is one of them that uh, I ask these questions right. too. So the, the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? The NFL playoff action continues, and we're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and for the NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. With my Chicago Bears out of the playoffs, actually not even making the playoffs, it's easier for me to bet on the playoffs because I don't really care who wins as long as I win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, Guy's going to take a penalty shot. And my goalie and my coach pulls me out of the net and puts me on the bench, and 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 doesn't replace me. He was he was he was he was angry at the referee. He didn't think the referee was doing a very good job for the whole game. It was in the third period. He was he was PO'd with the ref. So the guy gives us somebody a penalty shot against us. Go coach calls me over, puts me on the bench, and says, "Okay, run the penalty shot, empty net." Wow, you know, what's this about? Does this go against my record? (laughs) (laughs) No, it didn't. (laughs) It didn't matter, but (laughs) it's funny as goalies because those are the things we 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 wonder about. Is you know, yeah, how how does this impact you know me? Um, Yeah. So the next question is, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Oh my gosh! Well, I. Well, my Jets one, of course. It wasn't. It's not really the mask so much as where it got made and how it got made. Um, the it's a the, sort of the Bernie Perrant style, though the holes and the pointed chin and the whatnot. Back in in '72, we were in Ottawa, played a game in Ottawa, and um, against the Nationals. And after the game, uh, Ernie had arranged for the guy to come up and do both of us. He didn't tell me, and so it's it's midnight, and uh, the guy shows up at, at our room knocks on the door and Ernie's expecting him and, and there we are and he you know lay you down on the bed and he plasters 
you know, plaster of Paris on your face and you're breathing through a straw at two in the morning and you're hoping the guy doesn't leave you there for the rest, you know, because because you're you're stuck in this mask. You're not going, yeah. then he, he pulls it off and, you know, a month later you get a mask. So there you go. But that was, so that was, it, you know, I love the mask. It was, it was the style. Um, and, uh, but it was, uh, it was the, how it got made was the, it was the fun part. Yeah. And, I, I don't know if I would be able to handle that with claustrophobia. <laughs> uh, well, it was two, two of us in the room, so we were okay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> when you think of the masks the, the guys are wearing today and, you know, how far they've come, you know, what are your thoughts about modern-day masks? Well, they're heavy. I mean, I thought the masks we wore, uh, sort of in the, the early stage mask, when they – I had one that was I thought was really heavy. Man, it's not even close. The masks now are you got to have a strong neck and shoulders to to wear that sucker. Um, but it offers tremendous. I mean, obviously it offers a lot of extra protection. I, you know, and kids still get concussions. And but uh, you know, shooters now. I mean, if a goalie doesn't get hit half a dozen half a dozen times in the head during practice, it's it's like the shooters are unhappy with themselves. And it's it's kind of you know it's a it's a negative as far as I'm concerned. We ask them not to shoot high, but they don't care. It's you know top top cheddar, um, you know crossbar down, blah blah blah. Well, okay, fine, do that when there's no goalie, right? <laughs> you know, but they don't they don't they're they're well I, I call them morons, but that's my own <laughs> particular. I call them other things too, but morons is the nice one. Yeah. So <laughs> so. so so, but yeah, so uh, the masks are great, and they have to be because and I and I uh, I love the neck guards, uh, the floppy things. Uh, the, the goalies don't like them, so they get the pointed thing on the bottom. But I, you know, I, I really like the the floppy uh, chin things. So I, I I wish they'd all wear them because they, I I just fear the puck hitting them in the throat and yeah. whatnot. So it scares me. Yeah, there there's a uh, fellow in my area that still wears a uh, Mike Louie um, fiberglass mask. In fact, I played him last night and it's, uh, it's always funny when you step on the ice and guys don't know about him and he comes out there and he's got that old fiberglass mask on and uh, yeah, he, uh, he still wears it. There you go. <laughs> Good yeah. for him. Oh, hope he doesn't get hit. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've talked to him. He goes, yeah, I get hit every once in a while. He goes, but it, it doesn't hurt any more than a, if I were wearing a modern mask, so okay, um, well, it, it, it fits his that. personality. Um, there you go. <laughs> so the next question is, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Wow, jeez, <clears throat> um, uh, my favorite rink that I've played at. I would guess Boston Gardens would have been. I played in Madison Square Garden. I mean, the big, the big old rinks would be the ones that, uh, uh, you know, that I that I would have enjoyed. The ones I watched on TV forever. Uh, so Boston Gardens, Madison Square Gardens, uh, um, because they were what they were. Boston was really different because you had to go up downstairs, and and it was kind of an old grungy place. <laughs> you know, what are these guys playing in the NHL doing here? What is this? We got a better rink in Winnipeg. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything pretty, but at the end of the day, you know, the Boston Garden was kind of a, a special place. And so I, I enjoyed playing in there. Yeah, as a kid, I grew up in Chicago and went to the old Chicago Stadium, and it's in a yeah. terrible neighborhood. You're walking yeah. through the concourse and your feet are sticking to the ground from the uh, spilled beer <laughs> and everything else. But, God, that was such a beautiful old barn and such a fun place to go to, you know? Yeah. They, they just Not good don't for have spectators. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a build. You know, one of those buildings. The modern buildings just don't have that character. Um, no, they can't. No. Uh, so, what was your favorite stick that you used as a goalie? <clears throat> we had a CCI, I had a CCM stick. Uh, it you know it was a pattern made pro uh, stick from CCM, and you know back then um, sticks weren't as I mean they were. They were Hull used a Northland. Um, uh, I think um, Joe. I think used a Joe used a Northland. Ernie used a Sherwood. Uh, I used Sherwoods and CCMs. So, but CCM was was a light stick that I really liked to handle nicely, chip chip rebound in the corner nicely. So I was happy with that. No, did your stick have a curve on it, or was it a straight blade? It was a it was a tiny curve, if anything, and maybe just towards the end. But basically, it was a straight stick. Uh, I wasn't a great shooter of the puck. I was okay, certainly not like today or even the good shooters way back. But uh, you know, to be so I, to be able to move the puck on my back, I was okay on my backhand. Uh, I was probably better on my backhand than I was on my forehand. So, uh, you know, so I, a straight stick was probably better for me. Yeah, my uh, my first stick was uh, a straight blade, and I asked my dad, "I was like, what? Why? Why are we getting a straight blade?" He goes, "Well, first of all, you don't know if you're going to be a right-handed or left-handed goalie. You're 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 in your first year. You might want to try it up." And he goes, "Just try it up. See how you like it." And I didn't hate it, um, but you can't find them anymore. So it is what it is. No, there you uh, go. Now you, you played in an era when guys would um, they they could be mean. Uh, so th- this next question could be interesting. What's the best chirp you heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? <laughs> wow, boy, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> Well, it was probably at a referee, and it was you know it had to go into the um, had to go into where do you keep your dog? You know your um, to the head referee because you know, you're the blind guy with a dog. I mean that's that's yeah. not very polite, but that was a chirp at the referee, and I thought, oh my god, it was funny. I guess you know we were we weren't as uh, attuned to those kinds of rude things, but yeah, that was probably the best chirp that I'd, I'd uh, ever heard. Uh, where do you keep your dog? Well, and that, that was in an era, too, when the referees were not liked. I mean, we, we think of how reps are treated today at the youth levels and everything else. It, it ha- didn't, doesn't carry a candle to the way they were treated back then. Oh, no. Um, but, it, 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 too, back then, of course, when you're playing pro, all those guys know each other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're a rookie, you weren't saying that. So it was only the, the veteran guy saying that to the veteran referees. And that's just bugging each other, really. I mean, it, 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 it's rude. It, it wouldn't be tolerated today. But at the time, you know, you, it was just an understood statement of fun or, you know, you're trying to get the guy's ire up a little bit. Why would you do that? Why would you get him mad at you? <laughs> because now he's going to call more penalties. So right. well, we, weren't the smartest, smart, we weren't the smartest group of human beings at the time either. So there you go. <laughs> there is that. Um, so what's the worst post-game beer you've had? You know what? I didn't drink beer. Okay. 
I, so, I was a non-beer drinking dude. I, I I did slip into the the hard stuff a little bit, but, but uh, never never really got into beer. So um, again, I, I mean, I probably had a sip here and a beer there. I mean, but then so I would say Molson's Canadian or Lobat's Blue because those would make sense for me yeah. to say that because again, they didn't have all those specialty things way back then. So probably one of those two would have been the the favorite. We were we were sponsored by Molson, so I probably should have said Molson at the start. <laughs> that works. I like it. Um, so when you taped your sick, did you go to heel to toe or toe to heel? Uh, about four inches above the, the heel, right down to the toe. Okay. So yeah, you went heel to toe and um, up. Yeah. I, I've tried talking to younger kids who've only played with these composite sticks uh, and they look at me and they go, why, why do you tape it up along the heel? And I, I try to explain to them, Back in the day of the wooden goalie sticks, you had to as a way to try and get a little more life out of that stick. And they, they're just like, well, they, they try, trying to get them to comprehend it. They just can't. Yeah, they don't, they don't comprehend glue. No. <laughs> and, um, and little tack nails. <laughs> yeah, I, I always say I used Christian goalie sticks when I was younger. And, you know, sure. you, you could always commiserate with other Christian goalie stick uh, users by talking about putting the wood glue in that heel, putting it in the vase and the vice overnight and uh, putting it back together. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. So what was your favorite number to wear and why? Well, I, I wore 28. Uh, so that'd be my favorite number and still my favorite number. Uh, I, when I played junior hockey, I wore number one. Um, that was the one given to me. That was the standard, I think, thir one and 30 at the time. Again, way back in those days, uh, you, you didn't have many choices. I guess Dave Dryden wore 28, Ken wore 29. Um, a few other guys, I think Bob Sove wore 28. Um, not many guys wore 28, more guys wore 29. Uh, Flurry wears 29. Yeah, now you can go around and around on this, but 28 was a number given to me. They just handed it to me, say, there's your number, bingo. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it works for yeah. me. Um... I'm on the team, thank you. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to save this last question um, for a little bit later because it's it's going to go nicely. But, you know, you, you get into coaching and the game has changed an awful lot since you started coaching to where it is today. How, how have you been able to evolve with this ever-changing game and stay on top of all of these new techniques that we never thought of, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus years ago? Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> it's been a huge change. And, um, you know, the I, I guess uh, there's two parts to to way I look at goaltending today. There's a lot of technique and there's, a, there's a, you know, all the all the young young kid goalies are all learning from the older kid goalies and the, the guys that have graduated junior and, and whatnot. So the guys I coached way back um, 20 years ago uh, started to do all this fancy stuff and and they're now coaching the little kids and whatnot. I'm not really required to actually teach, you know, pushing. And I can't. Uh, they'd have to get a litz crane to pick me up off the ice. I, I can't get up and down anymore. But but at the end of the day, you know, I never had to really learn that. I understand it. I understand the dynamics of it and the technique on it. But I've never had to actually do it. So that's okay. Uh, but I But I certainly always invite a specialist. Uh, goalkeeper in to, to, to work with goalies that I coach uh, so that I'm uh, that I'm uh, 
sure that they're getting the proper technique and all that stuff. Uh, my my game is more the strategy, the mental part, the psychological part. Uh, you know, they call me uh, Dr. Phil at, at in Pilot Mound, where I coach uh, uh, for the last five years. Uh, it's more the strategy that the you know the you had a bad game. How do you handle that stuff? Mm-hmm. I really work on that stuff. Uh, that and so and there's so much of that and 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 that that isn't being taught. That's kind of hit and miss with with uh, most hockey academies and and uh, AAA teams and and uh, and whatnot. Some of the goalie coaches deal with some of the, you deal with it because you have to. But I I, I make a point of that being. Um, what I teach a lot of video stuff, so there's a whole chunk of the game that that isn't really um, looked at, and 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 I, and I go to practices now. Uh, I've always gone to, to team practices rather than to the small goalie uh, centers where they can teach small area stuff and and uh, goalpost stuff and and all that good thing. Uh, just because uh, what happens in a game. Got to got to take it to practice and, and figure that out in a practice during uh, and, and and remind the kids. So, you know, I've really sort of got like maybe it's three parts. It's going to practice. It's doing the head stuff, the emotional stuff. And then there's the technique stuff, which I allow someone else to do. Well, and I, I've talked with uh, several, I'll call us older goalies, for as much as the game has changed, the fundamentals haven't. A good uh-huh. basic stance, you know, yep. positioning, reading a play, uh, basic movement from the shuffle to the T push, uh, you know, com- coming back and making that angle to the post. For as much as it's changed, the fundamentals haven't, and that that probably won't for another hundred plus years. Who knows uh, if they ever do? And so th- that's the other easy thing. So when when I started working with really you know the little goalies. It was easy for me because these are the basics. I don't care what new equipment you've got, what new, you know, technique it is, whether it's the Panda, the RVH, all this other stuff going on. <laughs> we don't need to learn that because we need to learn how to stand first. Well, you're right. I mean, you go to kindergarten before you go to grade 12. Uh, yep. Simple as that. So, yep. yeah, you got to have all that basic stuff, the fundamental stuff, the balance, the skating you know, you, it's 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 the same skating. It's different skating. The kids can't do crossovers, and because the pads aren't round, they're all square and they're too high, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah. But the, the other guys you've talked to, and 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 I concur completely. You know, much of the game is the same. Uh, you got to be able to do certain things to start with, then you then you transform yourself into this other thing. Uh, and and you know, stacking the pads is coming back on occasion. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the shooters have learned to shoot over, you know, to, to put it 13 inches high now. So under under your glove and, and over your pad instead of off the crossbar. So they yep. figured out that's a good spot. So now, you, you know, stacking your pads, uh, you see that occasionally. And so, yeah, there's using the stick more. I, I wish the coaches would teach that more. Yeah, kids don't make stick saves. They don't make uh, on, on the blocker side in particular. Um, they, you know, they, they, it's a flat save where the rebound just slides on the ice. Why, my God, there's a, a rebound that's just wanting to go in the net. Um, and so they, they don't do that. They don't poke check very much anymore. Uh, so the, the, the forward is just able to go right into the crease 
with the puck and no one ever touches them or t- t- knocks the puck off a stick. Those kinds of things are, are still left uh, for someone like me, an old guy who says, hey, you know what? Why don't you try this? You know, we, we get them to try it and then it works. And boy, they here's a newfound skill, a newfound tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. that they didn't have before. So way to go, uh, Gordy, you know, way to go. Well, thank you, you know. <laughs> and so that's that. Yeah. So the old stuff's coming back or or should or should come back in some way. Yeah, I was going to say, you're starting to see more poke checks, um, you know, filter back into the game, which is great because it, it has been underutilized. And, you know, you mentioned the toolbox, you know, my toolbox uh, has the two pad stack and I use it quite a bit to the point where it doesn't even phase my teammates anymore. They're like, oh, there it is again. Uh, you know, the first <laughs> few times they, they thought it was great. Now, now they half expect it. Um, okay. It's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> You know, so, so the, when I go back to those 10 questions I ask everybody, the, the last one is, what advice do you have for young boys? Wow, what advice? Well, my gosh, uh, have, well, have, the fun part's got, I have a, I have a moniker or, a, or, or whatever, it's, it's STPHF, stop the puck, have fun. And I've used that for 20, 25 years now. Um, and, uh, basically we you know, learn how to stop the puck and that's going to be your fun time because you, you're going to dislike this game when you're not stopping it. Um, so that's part one, I guess, but, um, you know, yeah, what, what is, what would be my, my advice? Uh, yeah, don't get caught up in it to, to the, to the, the pressure destroys your head and your heart and your mind in the game, uh, cause it's not that important. It's just a game. We want to win. We want to do good, but it's okay when we don't. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've said it for years in the beer leagues, and I I think it's true uh, at the younger age. At the beer leagues, we say as long as there's – if nobody gets hurt and there's beer in the locker room after the game, it's a win. But at the younger ages, I think it's just as long as nobody gets hurt, it's a win. We sure went is. out, yeah. we had fun, you know, we, yeah. we got to play a game. Um, and then, then when you get to the beer leagues, there's added um, bonuses, but that that's uh, for them to, to learn later on in life. <laughs> yeah, there you go, um, yeah. Well, Gordy, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. We were able to uh, sandwich this in between uh, commitments on your part. So I, I thank you for being uh, flexible. Well, this has been super. Uh, I've, I've listened to your show in the past. I do another podcast uh, up here in Canada. It's attached to my website. There's, uh, there's some goalie instruction in there. Um, there's also some fun stuff, too. So for anybody that's looking for my, my website, GordyTumblesonGoalies.ca. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm at Pilot Mount Hockey Academy. If anybody's looking to uh, come as a goalie or as another as an out player, uh, we've got a great program there. If you're interested, you can connect with us uh, on the on our website there, PilotMountHockeyAcademy.com. Uh, that's my pug for those two things. And again, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, and I'll get over to the uh, website on the show notes. And, uh, hey, if, if the uh, travels ever bring you down to the Twin Cities, let me know, and uh, we'll get together. That'd be great. I'd appreciate that. And, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to get, traveling again. I haven't traveled for three years, so getting out of the city and, and out of the province it would be a, a nice thing for a change. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I know you got uh, more going on tonight. So, again, thank you, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Perfect. Thanks very much. All right. Bye now. Bye now.
Gordy was a delight to talk to. It's fascinating talking to goalies from the fiberglass mask and maskless era to hear their thoughts on playing the game with that equipment, then to hear what they think of the game and how it has evolved. I know we could have talked much, much more, and hopefully we get the chance in the future. Be sure to follow Gordy on Twitter at 28 underscore Gordy. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some of my great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, including the winter season opener victory, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many to list here, but shows like the Skates and Plates podcast, the Fourth Line Voice Hockey Podcast, and the Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to Vintage Tendy Magazine. Published quarterly by episode 28 guest Brent Denure, the magazine takes a deep dive into a goalie, usually from the 80s or 90s. In the first few issues, they've covered Potvin, Fuhrer, Chevalier, Tebow, Reggett, Van Beesbrook, and episode 20 guest mask painter Don Strauss. The latest issue features Darren Pupa. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand that wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Good news? Well, Dave.